Support for the Health Channel podcast comes from Florida Cancer Specialists. Florida Cancer Specialists urges everyone not to postpone recommended screenings, such as mammograms, colonoscopies, or biopsies. Regular screenings save lives. More at flcancer.com slash get screened. Welcome to the Health Channel, All Health All the Time. I'm Olga Villaverde coming to you from the Baptist Health South Florida studios. Brain tumors may not be as common as other cancers, but they can be one of the hardest to diagnose and also the hardest to deal with. These tumors can affect how you think, how you feel. It can even affect brain function. That's why we use like things like speech, for example, balance or coordination. Now the good news here is that new technologies have given both patients and surgeons better tools to remove these tumors. And joining us today to discuss some of these new advancements in brain surgery is Dr. Vitaly Sioman, the medical director of the Brain Tumor Program at the Miami Cancer Institute. Welcome, doctor. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here on the program. Thank oh, it's you. an honor to have you. I don't think we've talked much about tumors on this show, so I'm really glad you had the time to spend with us today. Really appreciate it, doctor. Thank you. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about you and what you do and your passion for neurosurgery. We were talking a little bit about it, but I know you have that passion. Uh, I'm a, one of the neurosurgeons at uh, Baptist Hospital uh, of Miami and uh, my passion is in brain tumors. Uh, it's something that I developed very early in my career. Uh, I think it's a fascinating topic. Uh, what attracts me in this area uh, is uh, a very strong bond between the patients because we deal with uh, life and death issues. Sure. Diagnosis of brain tumor is a very tough diagnosis. Uh, it's and, a scary uh, one. I agree. It's and, so, it, yeah, you hear that yeah, yeah. and you wonder where is this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, technically these are very challenging cases mm -hmm. uh, and oftentimes we have to deal with uh, very complex anatomy working in a very eloquent brain, and technological advances are incredible. So we, we have a lot of advances in this field, and altogether that makes it a very attractive field for, for a neurosurgeon. I'm assuming you bond so much with the patients and their families because of this journey that you all have to go through, which is touch and go, if you will. Agreed. Yeah. Now, tell me a little bit about the um, tumor program, the brain tumor program at uh, MCI. Um, it's a very large and uh, comprehensive program, so we have a variety of specialists involved. Uh, I myself uh, am a neurosurgeon, but it's not just about surgery. Sure. So you have to uh, bring the oncology expertise, we have uh, radiology expertise, someone has to read the images and come up with a diagnosis. We have uh, uh, superb pathology uh, department, uh, we have uh, oncologists uh, who deal with uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy. A huge team. Uh, it's, it's a huge team. You can you know visit our tumor board and, and you will see probably 50 different people from physicians to rehab and other services and, uh, and well, this is when we discuss uh, our patient's care. Uh, so that would give you an impression of how complex it might be. You know. I've actually seen it. It's almost yeah. like a, a brain tumor convention, if you will, of yeah. all these people coming together to try to make that perfect diagnosis for the patient. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Correct. Yeah. All right. So today we're talking about tumors in the brain. Uh, doctor, we know that Tumors can either be malignant or benign, obviously malignant meaning cancerous, benign meaning non-cancerous, which would be obviously the best scenario for a patient. Uh, talk to me about the prevalence of brain tumors. Well, the brain tumors, uh, as drastic as they may seem, they, they don't really happen very commonly. Uh, so it, I can tell you that 
For instance, uh, patients get diagnosed uh, with malignant brain tumor in the United States. Uh, you know, it, that you would probably see maybe 65 uh, cases out of a million. Oh, that's you know, nowadays. small. It used to be uh, a little bit more common in the 90s, uh, maybe 70, 75 cases uh, out of a million. So it would not be a very common scenario. But we then you may talk about also the autopsy series. You know, somebody, uh, what, somebody dies and, and, and have an autopsy, and uh, we would very commonly see benign tumors oh, really? that are completely asymptomatic, meaning that they do not cause any problems or symptoms, and uh, that's a much more common prevalence. So that's the more common one. Yeah. Brain tumors, I've heard, can be described as primary or secondary. Can you explain yeah. that to us? Primary brain tumors are the tumors that uh, develop uh, in the brain primarily out of the brain tissue or, coverage, co cover, or coverings of the brain. Uh, the secondary brain tumors, they develop elsewhere and they migrate and invade the brain. So that's the distinction. In other words, the secondary brain tumors are uh, also called metastases because they metastasize from other places to, to the brain. Which we hear of that when we talk about like breast cancer and Correct. things of that nature. Correct. So they spread. Correct. Okay. Now, according to the National Brain Tumor Society, the most prevalent brain tumor types in adults are, and if I say this incorrectly, doctor, please correct me, uh, meningiomas and gliomas. That's absolutely correct. Okay. Yeah. What is the difference between those two, meningiomas and gliomas? Meningiomas are, are more common. Uh, meningiomas are about 30% of, of primary brain tumors. Uh, and uh, these are typically, well, at least 80% of them are very benign, and uh, many of them would grow slowly at a rate of maybe one or two millimeters per year. Uh, very rarely they, uh, they are malignant or more aggressive. Uh, gliomas are different. Gliomas are the tumors that originate primarily within the brain tissue. Uh, and uh, uh, they tend to be more aggressive, uh, and uh, it's much more difficult to cure them. And uh, the majority of gliomas are glioblastomas, about 60-65% of them. Uh, these tumors are probably some of the most malignant brain tumors. They uh, invariably recur. Is this what uh, the late Senator John McCain had? Correct. He did. Can Correct. you describe a little bit of his condition? And obviously now he's resting in peace, um, served this country for so many years. Uh, just, uh, just an honor to have him in our lives. A brave man. Uh, Very he brave was, man. He uh, was diagnosed, uh, to the best of my knowledge, with a tumor that's called glioblastoma. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they discovered it incidentally when he uh, presented with bleeding uh, behind his eye. And uh, the surgeons uh, did the resection of the tumor. Uh, and uh, uh, every time we take something out of the brain, we send it to pathology. And uh, uh, the pathology report, unfortunately, came back as compatible with glioblastoma. So he had his fight. Uh, they, I believe they resected as much as they could. Yes, and they, uh, they, they treated him with uh, other treatments. And uh, uh, eventually he passed. But uh, So the prognosis uh, for that one is really not very um, good? Not, not, not a very favorable prognosis. The, uh, only about 5% of the patients uh, survive five years. So the rest of the patients somehow um, lose the fight to their disease. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe also former President uh, Jimmy Carter had a tumor in his brain. Am I correct about that? Um, it's a different tumor. It's so a different he, one. He, he, I believe uh, it was melanoma. This okay. is a secondary tumor, that, that, that not a primary brain tumor. It and he was able to fight yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Risk factors, doctor. I'm wondering, regarding brain tumors, is it um, family history? Could it be um, exposure to radiation? Do we know? Is it a fluke? 
it's it's actually both. Uh, you're absolutely correct. Some of the tumors are be, can be familial. Uh, about five percent of uh, of uh, gliomas, for instance, uh, run in the families, and it's typically a secondary to uh, some sort of genetic defect. Uh, for instance, TP53 mutation, it's one of the genes that controls the, uh, the development of tumors in our re immune response. Uh, if this gene uh, is affected, patients can develop uh, multiple uh, tumors, including brain cancer. Um, other cases can be related to radiation exposures and uh, particularly meningiomas. Okay. Uh, somebody gets exposed early in life and uh, then uh, down the road may develop uh, meningiomas 20, 30 years or so. Um, uh, there, there are uh, cases that, uh, uh, again, that may be combined, you know, so, but this is what we know can contribute to development of brain tumors. Now there's no doubt that there are challenges when uh, treating brain tumors. So we wanna show some of uh, those challenges to our viewers and walk through them real quick, doctor. Uh, blood brain barrier, block therapies, what would that be? Blood-brain barrier is a it's a, it's a complex of uh, tissues and cells uh, that uh, are forming the walls around the uh, blood vessels. And uh, uh, the primary uh, goal of blood-brain barrier is to protect the brain from all kinds of chemicals, abnormal electrolytes, metabolites that uh, our body produces or, or has uh, circulating within the body uh, so that they would not cross that barrier to affect the brain. Okay, the next one is surgery, which surgery. is indispensable brain? Um, uh, I'm not sure what, what they exactly mean, but some of, in some cases, uh, tumors can develop in uh, areas that are very critical uh, in behavior, uh, in motor function, speech, vision, you know, other uh, eloquent uh, regions. Uh, and uh, that may limit the ability of surgeon to remove the tumor safely from, from this area. Sometimes we have to leave the tumor behind and, uh, and the tumor might need to be treated with some other uh, treatment modality. Okay. Um, diversity, there are different types of tumors. Of course. Uh, some tumors uh, are very well circumscribed uh, and they can be uh, safely uh, removed and uh, shelled out you know from from the capsule and then the capsule can be safely removed. Uh, other tumors are more diffuse they grow just like trees grow with their roots into the soil and uh, it's very hard to uh, remove every little rootlet. Um, and uh, tumor resistance is, uh, is, is a different stories, so some of the tumors can be very susceptible to uh, chemotherapy uh, and uh, radiation therapy, others are not sensitive at all. A lot of people, before I take a break, are always worried about you know their cell phones and they say using your cell phone too much can uh, can cause brain cancer. Is that true, doctor? Oh my goodness, we can talk about that forever. That could be so, a whole hour so show. Okay, so we're gonna definitely bring you yeah, back uh, yeah, and we're gonna okay, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I, it's just something that just popped into my mind yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, Brief it's, answer? It's a very controversial topic and uh, I'll just tell you that none of the agencies at, at this point in the United States support the idea that cell phones are, <laughs> are are harmful, Thank but you goodness. gotta be careful because there was one warning by the uh, WHO, it's a World Health Organization, yes. in 2011 uh, that there might be association between very uh, heavy cell phone use, uh, let's oh, say no. over 30 minutes a day and, and oh, even more, no. and, uh, and, 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 and brain cancer. But again, it's a very controversial topic because there are different forms of radiation, non-ionizing and, uh, and ionizing. Uh -huh. So the, uh, the radio frequency uh, uh, irradi radiation that 
the cell phones emit and receive back from the cell towers is a non-ionizing uh, radiation. So All right, so it, let's it, ask it you. It just cannot, you know. So. Let's ask you a personal question. Yeah. So, uh, do you use the headphones when talking um, on the phone? Because no, if the neurosurgeon I, does yeah. it, I'm not going to worry. I, I, you know, I use both, you, you know, use so both? yeah, okay. it's a kind of, I, I'm not obsessed about it. So let me put it like this. All right. So yeah. not to worry. Thank no, goodness. Thank no, you for answering yeah. that. Before we take a break, I've always been marveled with specialties and doctors, you know, put so many years when they study medicine, but neurosurgeons, I'm just curious, doctor, how many years did you study to become a neurosurgeon? I'm going to guess 12. Well, it's, uh, I, with you considering know, never, reticency, everything. Yeah, well, you know, the medical school. I, I'm, I'm, I'm from, coming from Russia, so we, we would go straight to the medical school. It was six years, so and then I uh, started doing my residency in, in Russia. Then I uh, moved to Israel, and I did uh, four years of uh, neurosurgical training there. It was my primarily goodness. pediatric neurosurgery, uh, and then uh, we won green, green card and lottery, so we came to the United States. But in the United States, in order to be recognized as a, as a specialty surgeon, you have to go through the same, you know, through the residency over. Oh. Again, so that's that's what I did. I did my uh, neurosurgical training at the Cleveland Clinic. It was seven years, uh, and that included one year of uh, brain tumor fellowship. We're up to 15 uh, years now. I'm doing the math in my head. Good, very good. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad somebody, somebody's doing that. Well, we are happy to have you here. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you very great much. Great to have you, so, and I'm so glad you uh, came to this country because I can see that you do a lot of great stuff for MCI. So again, it's a privilege. All right, so let's talk about how brain tumors affect the brain. Here are some of the symptoms patients may experience if they have a tumor, and the first one I saw was the headache. Now, doctor, obviously a lot of people get headaches, so it's not as if you have to think that you have a brain tumor immediately. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, I just really wanted to... I mean, to that's really important. ...focus because <laughs> so many people, probably everybody has I a headache. I just told you. Yeah, and it, you just, just mentioned just that during it. the break, you know, so... and. and uh, <laughs> I, I would really not worry about that too much because the chances of a, of, of a person to have a brain tumor when somebody presents with a headache is you know, way less than 1%. Okay. You know, it's 0. 0.001 Zero zero. You know, one so it's something. really so it's less a, than one. It is, it is really uncommon. And, uh, uh, you know, there are a variety of, of headaches that, that patients can present with. You know, most of the headaches are migraine types of headaches or tension headaches. And I would not scan these patients automatically. It's only when the headaches are very, you know, particular, when they, you know, affect patients early in the morning, you know, associated with nausea, vomiting, uh, you know, the that get progressively worse or right. when you see some other symptoms such as like a balance, know, like, problem. like balance problems, seizures, you know, other issues. Vision then, or hearing problems as well. All of those things exactly, coupled with that headache, exactly. but not just the headache. No, not just the headache and not just the minor, especially if it's somebody, you know, says I've been having headaches for, you know, for many, many years and, you know, never had any other, you know, symptoms that I would not scan that particular patient. Okay. Cause you must get yeah. a lot of patients that come in and say, doctor, I, I, I have headaches. Yeah. I suffer from headaches and I'm really worried. Not so much that, not that they would reach the surgeon, you know, so most of the, of the headache patients would be handled by neurology. You okay. know, so, but, but occasionally we would have patients who, you know, would be, you know, maybe family members of brain tumor patients that start thinking, oh, oh gosh, am I having do I have a, a headache? You know, do I have a tumor? You know, is that Jokingly, we just said that in, yeah, during the break. Yeah, I yeah, said, yeah, when yeah. I get headaches, I yeah. go, oh my gosh, do I have a tumor? And he yeah. laughed saying, yeah. I, I hear that a lot. So yeah. no, you'd have to yeah. have other things like a balance problem, seizures, nausea, yeah. vomiting. Or progressively worsening headaches would be concerning. So yeah. when you have all of those symptoms that we just showed right now, then maybe there's a moment that you say, I need to get checked out. Yeah. 
well, gosh, if you have a seizure, you gotta go you gotta to the emergency room. You know, so that's that's a different story. You right. know, but but if it's just a headache, well, if you start having bounce problems, something, go see a neurologist or maybe see a surgeon, and you know, then then you probably will you'll need to be scanned and hopefully rule it yeah, out. Yeah. What about personality changes? Can uh, can brain tumors affect your personality? Absolutely, they really? absolutely can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How and, so? Well, some some of the tumors, especially that uh, grow in the uh, frontal lobes uh, and and cause compression of the frontal lobes, they can affect personality. Uh, in, in people quite profoundly. You know, people can become uh, more stagnant, they're, they're less interactive, uh, they're not quite as sharp, uh, mm. and uh, it takes them, you know, some time to uh, do regular things and you know, what we call activities of daily living. Uh, so everything becomes more challenging. And uh, oftentimes, these tumors uh, are meningiomas, the, the tumors that we spoke about. Uh, they grow very slowly, and personality changes are very subtle. So they, they're, they're not right away, right into your face. And oftentimes family members get used to, to seeing people uh, the way they are and they don't realize that the, the personality is, is actually different. You know, sometimes it just somebody from outside would notice the difference and uh, would bring it to their attention. Because it's manifesting over yeah. a long period of time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, oftentimes if, if this is, let's say if it's a malignant tumor, that affects the, such as glioblastoma. Uh -huh. So if it affects the frontal lobes, people can have profound personality changes. And sometimes it might be associated with speech problems, problems with understanding, memory problems. So in, in those cases, we, uh, we try to act quickly and it's, and it's easier to diagnose if it's something that develops that acutely. And speaking of diagnosis, uh, diagnosis is a critical first step in recovery, of course, with anything when it comes to our bodies. I would imagine there are a lot of scans that, to help diagnose if there is a tumor, uh, comprehensive images like uh, state-of-the-art PET. So, uh, <laughs> you know, usually we don't start with a, with a PET scan. So most patients would get a, a CAT scan and as a screening tool, it would give you an idea if there's any brain shift, if there's any changes in the density of the brain to suggest that there's a tumor. Uh, CT scan is also very good to pick up blood and any, any of the acute changes that can be associated with brain tumors. Um, then, you know, most patients would get an MRI and the MRI uh, shows uh, the soft tissues. Uh, it, we can give contrast and the tumors typically light up with contrast. Okay. And then we can see the borders of the tumor, the structures that they affect. And it's a much more of an anatomical image. So we could, we could see the structures very careful. We can see the blood vessels around them uh, and, and, and draw conclusions. And uh, then we can add functional MRI. Functional MRI would show you the function. It's, 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 it's based on the amount of oxygen that is uh, metabolized and present in different tissues depending on the, on the, on the function that this uh, specific structure is involved at any given moment. So patients go through different paradigms. They would, you would ask them to rhyme, count, you know, sometimes sing you know, talk, read back, and, and, and the MRI picks up the amount of oxygen in the tissues mm. at that particular moment. So we can know that this is an eloquent tissue because it's involved in, in, in very active metabolism during that specific uh, task. Um, and uh, a PET scan is more of a whole body type of scan. So we can see how metabolically active this tumor, how actively it, it uh, takes, uh, uh, extracts the glucose from, from the bloodstream. Uh, and that helps to determine uh, aggressive tissue versus non-aggressive tissue. And also see the whole gestalt, the overall spread of the tumor throughout the body. When you notice it, is it normally one tumor or can you find more than one? Is that common? 
Yes, we, it we is? can. Yeah, we can find. You know, oftentimes we can find more tumors, especially if it's a if it's a tumor that is not a primary brain tumor but comes from elsewhere. Let's say metastatic tumor. We can see uh, at times multiple tumors. Wow. Sometimes as many as 20, 30. You know, etc. So in in very oh bad my. situations, tumors can spread very dramatically and in, in, in multiple numbers. And how do you determine, doctor, if it's cancerous or not cancerous? Um, it depends on the uh, original histology of the tumor, uh, and it depends also on the biological behavior. And we try to stay away from cancer in the brain per se, because sometimes benign tumor and the brain can be located in a very critical area of the brain, and it can be locally invasive. And uh, the effects of growth of the tumor are maybe pretty profound, even though the tumor may be biologically benign. And if you look under the microscope, you don't see specific features that would indicate malignancy. But location really matters a lot. So now let's talk about surgery techniques for brain tumors. The goal is obviously to get the entire tumor out if possible. And doctor, surgery usually is the uh, only option? No, it's not the only option. But it's the uh, best option? It's one of the best options okay. and uh, we always try to remove uh, the buzzword here as much as safely possible okay uh, makes and, sense uh, the the we we try we you know when surgery involves it's a major procedure typically done under general anesthesia or awake uh, and uh, we would uh, clip the hair a little bit or not clip the hair, depending on the, the patient's preference. We would uh, make a skin incision, uh, take a piece of bone out, expose the tumor, open up the membrane that covers the brain, and then we'd remove the tumor using microsurgical techniques with a microscope and microinstruments. And we also use different tools, such as ultrasonic aspirator that vibrates, shakes, and breaks the tissue and sucks it out. Um, we use uh, the bipolar cautery, we use different suction devices uh, and, uh, and different adjuncts to surgery. All right, do you decide what you're going to do after you go in or is this something that you've already decided before? It's pretty much pre-planned. Okay. So we kind of know what we're going to do. Any surprises it's, sometimes? And if you just go and, and like start exploring, sometimes surgery may you not know, turn out that good. I, I would say every surgeon should carefully planned. Any you know, surprises sometimes when you go in? Absolutely. Yeah. Bleeding, you know, that, that maybe you may hit the blood vessel and, uh, you know, nick the membrane uh, incidentally or, 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 you know, cause uh, some spillage of the tumor cells and then you have to somehow scramble and figure out how you're going to fix it. So absolutely. All right. And depending on the type of surgery, depends on the characteristic of the tumor. Uh, let's show our viewers what kind of characteristics there are that you have to think about in terms of deciding what kind of surgery you're going to perform, the type of tumor it is, doctor. Well, obviously, if, if you're dealing with a benign tumor, uh, they are much easier to remove because they are very um, limited to, to particular space and the capsule is, is surrounding the tumor so you can separate them from surrounding brain easier. Uh, with more malignant tumors, they are more diffuse and, and, and hard to, harder to remove. Uh, size really matters because you, know, you don't want to damage the brain, you don't use retraction, you, you try to uh, remove the tumor piece by piece, whereas something that is smaller, you can probably remove as a single block. Uh, the location really matters. You, you're very limited in, uh, in a critical area of the brain. Uh, and uh, as far as manipulation of the brain is concerned, you don't want to create any damage. And you can you know, be a little bit easier with, uh, uh, in, in tumors with, uh, that are located in, in less critical areas. Um, and we were 
talking about this pressure on the vital areas of the brain, so you don't want to use retractors, and, and we use what's called a dynamic type of retraction. So we cover the brain with little sliders and, uh, and, and cottonoid patties and, and work by gently uh, applying pressure to, uh, to the covers uh, so that we would not damage the brain. And how long does the surgery usually last? I know everybody's different, doctor, but normally? No, it really depends. It may be anywhere from two, three hours to, it takes about you know an hour to open and you know half an hour maybe to close and, uh, and, and working on the tumor depending on the size and, and location and the critical structures around the tumor. So it may take you know maybe a few hours. So uh, some surgeries are very lengthy. They may just last hours, you know, 10, 12 hours, you know, easily. Sometimes if you do a spine case with, uh, we would do a case, for instance, uh, uh, that I, I recently did a three-level vertebrectomy. So I removed uh, three vertebral bodies from the front uh, using the vascular surgeon uh, for an approach. And then I, I came, you know, we flipped the patient and did the posterior approach working from the back when we finished removal of the vertebral bodies and stabilized it. So that was a like almost a 16 hour surgery. Oh my uh, goodness. So it, it may take a while. And the patient is fine? Yeah. <sighs> All, all things considered, you know, some, you know, you, you, you might be very sore. You, in recovery from anesthesia takes a while. Obviously. You know, the lungs have to re-expand. 16 and, hours. And you may have some uh, some collapse of the lung tissue that may need to uh, come back to normal. So it, 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 it takes some time. And then some, some of the patients need rehabilitation, physical therapy to recover from wow. that type of surgery. That's amazing. Uh, another thing that I find to be amazing is this following story. Because did you know that sometimes patients may need to be awake for part of the surgery? Is this true? That's absolutely correct. Okay, I know you do this all the time, but for me, that was fascinating that you're doing brain surgery. I mean, you have a hole in her brain and she's talking to you for this mapping. That's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. And she's uh, aware of it. Yeah, yeah, patients are completely aware. Oh my uh, gosh. It adds uh, a layer of stress, obviously, because uh, the patient is uh, in a relatively tight space. You know, oftentimes we put a cl hat clamp on the, uh, on the skull uh, to attach the antenna so that we could use that for uh, image guidance so that we could go precisely to where the tumor is and minimize the opening. Uh, and they're limited in the way they can move their neck and head. And uh, uh, there's a bunch of examiners and neurologists and, uh, and, and, and neurophysiology team and anesthesia. People come and go and, and we ask them to perform certain tasks. Some patients freak out. And uh, in some cases, they, you know, I had a 16-year-old who was undergoing that, that type of surgery. She was trying to grab my hand to stop me from doing that. No. Uh, and uh, uh, I had a, a patient who was a very brave man. And, uh, and, and we started, he started to get some leg weakness. And the tumor was located very close to the area that was controlling the, uh, the, the motor function of the leg. And uh, uh, that patient was a police officer. And he said, I command you to, <laughs> to keep going. You know, I want you to take this sucker out. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we kept going. He ended up with some deficit, but he recovered very well in the end with some very, very mild residual. You know, he was hiking in Cambodia, and I saw him at that uh, grocery store uh, quite often, um, you know, for, for several years after surgery. I command so you. I command you. That's, yeah, that's exactly what How did what you said. just maintain you know, your composure? Uh, that's you, funny. You know, it's funny. It's, 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 it's actually 
no, it actually releases the stress. It does. You know, because, you know, when somebody, it's somebody talks to you like this, it's just like, oh, good. You know, so we're not like about strict medicine and, uh, and, and just, you know, very formal, you know, relationship here. You know, sign this consent, you know, 50 pages of that. You know, so it's so cute. It's just like it's a very, it's very human. It's very... Are there moments where you have yeah. to calm down the patient where there gets a little bit of hysteria? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That's Sometimes a little bit more difficult. Anesthesia plays a, a very uh, key role in, in, in that process. Sometimes we start talking to them and sometimes we just give them the phone just like you saw on the on that uh, video so we give them the phone and, and and ask them to talk to the family and that might be soothing they they just can interact they say look I'm doing okay everything's good it it, it puts the family at rest that's and, great. and, and it, it's it's a great tool that's fantastic yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness all right so let's talk about some new advancements when it comes to brain surgery Fluorescent dye how does that work doctor uh, we inject uh, fluorescein or uh, we're in a process of acquiring this 5-ALA technology, so this is, uh, this is something that the patient would drink and then uh, it would convert in malignant cells, it would convert into uh, fluorescent perforins that we could uh, see with, uh, with a microscope through the uh, blue filter. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the dye is picked up by the tumor and it, the tumor becomes very distinct from surrounding normal uh, tissues of the brain and we can guide our resection by removal of the fluorescing uh, part of the, uh, the fluorescent tissue only. So that improves the accuracy and uh, especially when you're dealing with eloquent uh, regions of the brain so we can, we can you know, it, it, it improves the, the extent of resection uh, which matters in the prognosis and survival of the patients. Great stuff. Really great having you here today really thank you it's such it's, an honor it is my pleasure ah, I'm really I'm very tickled you're here today really there's a therapy called laser interstitial thermal therapy or LITT uh, tell us a little bit about this procedure doctor the uh, we basically cook the tumor you cook so it. we cook it. Yeah, okay. we we take a laser probe uh, and insert it into the brain, into the tumor, through a small burr hole. Uh, it is not a craniotomy type of procedure when we create a large incision and and, and take a large piece of bone uh, out. So this is sort of a minimally invasive uh, approach. Then the laser probe goes all the way into the tumor, and then uh, the patient uh, is transported to the MRI. We have an intraoperative MRI here at Baptist, so we don't really have to physically move the patient, the machine kind of comes over the patient okay. and uh, then we run special protocol that uh, can detect the spread of the heat uh, through the tumor. That, that where we, we can detect the spread of the heat. Okay. Uh, and, and with uh, that heat, what are you doing? We just You're kill the tumor. It. Yeah, we, we elevate the temperature of the tumor to, you know, higher than 40 degrees, 57 degrees, depending on the on the specific protocol that you run yeah. and uh and and that's beyond the the, the survivability uh threshold so the the, the uh, tumor cells essentially die uh from just that heat exposure and who uh, are candidates for this doctor uh, we use that uh primarily f uh, in patients with uh radiation necrosis uh this is when uh patients get radiated for metastases and you know other types of tumor uh and uh, uh then radiation necrosis uh starts uh causing very significant in inflammatory reaction in the brain and patients can swell up and uh, that that that, that's one group of the patients. We can use it in some primary brain tumors that are very deeply located and, uh, and hard to reach and uh, surgery would be otherwise very morbid. Uh, we could use it uh, in uh, primary metastatic uh, brain lesions um, and you know other indications. I think it's another procedure, an endoscopy? Typically they're rigid scopes. We would use uh, image guidance to direct 
you know, our path uh, through the brain into the fluid sacs of the brain. Uh, and then uh, the endoscope is used to perform uh, the procedure, for instance, that is called thir endoscopic third ventriculostomy. So this is when we create a punch a hole in the floor of the third ventricle to interconnect the fluid sacs when uh, the normal pathways are blocked by the tumor. Um, another area is skull-based surgery. So uh, we operate on skull-based patients with my ENT partner, Dr. Pernis, uh, here at Baptist. Um, and uh, we perform resection of pituitary adenomas, some uh, anterior skull-based tumors, meningiomas, uh, and uh, uh, metastatic lesions uh, from, from the skull base through the nose, the natural uh, passages. Uh, and uh, this is also a, a fascinating area, very minimally in invasive approach. Uh, and uh, great visualization, and uh, it also requires a collaboration of a team. Um, so I, I like the surgeries very much. I know we've come a long way, but uh, in your thoughts of the future, uh, new technologies when it comes to neurosurgery, what you're looking forward to? I think uh, it's, it's really a fascinating field. Uh, and uh, well, I'll just give you an example. For instance, glioblastoma that, that you started talking about. Uh, glioblastomas... Uh, Which is what Senator John McCain passed from. Correct, correct. Uh, and they are hard to cure because these tumors are, are not just what you see on the surface. So I'll give you an analogy. I heard it from one of the, uh, one of the uh, neuro-oncologists. So the, the, about 1% of the cells in glioblastomas are stem cells like cancerous cells. And uh, they are, would be equivalent to, for instance, queen bee. Uh, and uh, they keep producing and producing those working bees mm -hmm. all the time. And uh, what we do with our therapeutics, with chemotherapy, radiation therapy, and surgery, we just kill those working bees. Uh, and the queen bees become, stays outside of our reach. So for us, it, would be, it, would, be, it would be fascinating to, uh, to find the ways to kill, kill that, that queen, queen bee. bee so that we could, we could address it precisely. It would be like a targeted strike oh, in the yeah. military. Uh, and uh, there are some receptors that are very, very specific to, to, to the, those queen bees, and we could target them. That's, for instance, one of the areas of, of development. Oh, that would be fantastic. We're, we're nearing the end of the show. I did want to ask you a question that's always fascinated me, because I always tend to read a lot regarding medicine and science. And uh, I read an article, article the other day that we use, this has nothing to do with brain tumors, but it has to do with the brain, and since I have a fabulous neurosurgeon here, 10% of our brain. Is that true, doctor? That's just amazing. It, it is. It is. It's controversial, but 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 it is. Yeah, we wow. can use a lot more. And uh, what you can see with aging, for instance, patients can uh, uh, remain very functional and uh, and 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 have a substantial brain atrophy. And there was even a, a, a paper in uh, in the Nature Journal some time ago. So it showed that you know a patient with uh, it demonstrated a patient with very significant mathematical abilities with significant uh, brain atrophy. Can you imagine yeah. how much more we're capable of? I want you to know it's been such an honor having you. I mean, MCI is very lucky to have you as a as a part of their family. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right, it's my so privilege. when you make that fish next time, maybe you can invite us all from the Health Channel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And just for you know. Why not? Because I want to have fun on a Monday. I know you're from Russia, so can you just say thank you for joining the health channel, all health, all the time in Russian? Oh my goodness. Come well, on. Let me, let me just translate it well. Hurry, hurry, we got like 15 seconds. Большое спасибо за то, что вы смотрите наш канал. Здоровье каждый день. Oh my gosh, high five. You're the best. Thank you, doctor. No problem.
love it. Be sure to join us next time on the Health Channel, All Health All the Time on South Florida PBS. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at All Health TV, where you can get health tips from our experts and see what's coming up on the Health Channel. You can also visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch a live stream of the show. Uh, you can see previous videos of our shows, and you can even learn a little bit of Russian along the way. I'm Olga Villaverde. We'll see you next time. How do you say see you next time? Uh, до следующей встречи. There you go. Have a great day.